And so I think it really took believing I am not leftovers. This isn't going to be the breaking of me, but could potentially be the making of me. If I can see this as a source of compassion for other people, and if I can see my plight as a source of goodness and not destruction and failure, then I think I'm onto something. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, Tiffany Bloom is a beautiful writer and speaker with an incredible story that just breathes life into everyone who encounters it. So I am humbled and excited to be able to share it with all of you today. Now, Tiffany was born in India, abandoned as a newborn in New Delhi. She was one of more than 25 million Indian children who were orphaned in the late 80s. And for most of her life, this origin was a thorn in her side. She saw a world where everyone had baby pictures and memories passed down by family, but she had no evidence of her beginning except for a number and a name given to her by an orphanage. So, at her core, she struggled with her sense of identity. Tiffany was lucky enough, however, to be adopted and to be given the opportunity to talk about how difficult it was. She said so many adoptees go underground with their feelings. It's called invisible trauma. When you can't make sense of the trauma that's happened because you don't have conscious memories of it, but you can feel it and you're still dealing with the effects of it. Can you imagine dealing with life that way and living life that way? And and, and Tiffany was feeling that way, but she knew that if she was here, there must be a reason, and she had to make the best of it. Although we don't always come from such humbling pasts, many of us feel like this at some point in our lives, lost, confused, and a little unsure of why we are here. In fact, it's the first of the four fundamental questions that we experience in life. Who am I? Why am I here? And when we feel that way, We often end up letting the things that we do define who we are. However, that's not how you live a fulfilling life that lights you up. Who you are should define what you do, how you work, what your goals are, and what your values are. When you can align all of that, you can really achieve the life that you were created for. One of the things that Tiffany wanted to remind each and every one of us of because she had to remind herself of it, that she is not leftovers, that you and I are not leftovers. This situation in her life, the adversity that she encountered, the adversity that you and I encounter in life, it's not going to break us. In fact, what she said is really beautiful. She said, this isn't going to be the breaking of me, but could potentially be the making of me. 
You can get more inspiration and wisdom from Tiffany in her upcoming book, She Dreams, or in in her own incredible podcast, Why Though? But there's a ton of wisdom that she shares with us in this episode, so be sure to bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Tiffany Bloom, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I'm I'm excited to talk about dreaming and doing and all of those things with you today. As am I. It's going to be good. Yes. You are a a beautiful writer and speaker. You have an incredible story that is life-giving to to everyone who encounters it. And you and I are just meeting for the first time. But I feel like in the past few days in particular, I've gotten to know a lot about you. And there's this great line from Shakespeare that says, some people are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. I actually believe that we're all born great and that we have the opportunity to magnify our internal greatness through achievement. But in your case, you actually had some great things thrust upon you that you did not um, necessarily know initially how to respond to, but reflection and your own making sense of your own story, you did. So why don't you take us back to the beginning. Uh, Your origin story is going to be a little bit different than most of my guests. So where were you born? Yeah, I was abandoned in New Delhi, India in the mid-80s, became one of more than 25 million orphans in the 80s, left without a mother to cradle me or a father to kiss my forehead. And I was left in a baby home. And for most of my life, that uh, beginning story was the thorn in my flesh. It really was the thorn in my side, feeling like, man, why does everyone else get these Olin Mills baby pictures and their feet plastered, you know, and clay hung up on the wall? And I don't have a baby picture. I, I have no evidence of my beginning except a number, except a name given to me by an orphanage. Wow. And so that really, um, that will really mess with someone's sense of identity as much as we would like to say, once a child is adopted or has a new last name, everything's peachy. That's just not the case. That's not how life works. That's not how the brain works. That's not how the heart and the mind and the soul work. And so really, um, I remember I was five years old when I fully understood I was left. Like That was the beginning of, oh my gosh, Like she couldn't, she couldn't take care of me, whether it was because she didn't have the money or she didn't want me, whatever it was, I was severed from the natural relationship. And uh, God bless my parents, um, my adopted parents. But I I didn't grow up in a situation, as many adopted kids and adoptees can attest, where I was free to talk about how hard that was. It was like, hey, we, we brought you out of this and things are fine now. And the crazy thing about that is so many adoptees, they go underground with their feelings, this feelings of invisible trauma, it's called, when you just can't make sense of the trauma that's happened because you you don't have conscious memories of it, but you can feel it and you're still dealing with the effects of it. Hmm. And uh, adoptees are several times more likely to take their life, struggle with anxiety and depression, um, struggle with ever finding fulfillment in marriage and parenting and all of those things. And I I can totally attest that that's true. But I, I knew if I was here, then surely surely we got to make the best of this. And add on top of that, Mike, I grew up in a rural environment. I didn't meet another person of color until I was 12 years old. And so I consistently 
nearly every day felt like the deviation from the standard. Everything from trying to whiten my skin to um, wearing long sleeves in the summertime so I wouldn't get tan. I, I hated that I felt so different. I, I felt like it was always going to be um, what disqualified me from what everyone else had. Mm. There's a um, we're gonna unpack that a little bit because you just dropped some like some really meaty things there that we need to to gnaw on a little bit for a really bad description of that what you just shared. But there's this great quote from a uh, a saint named Catherine of Siena from the 13th century, and she said, "When you become who God created you to be." You will set the world ablaze. Oh, glory. That's, I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna and, write that down. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's what you're doing, right? Like, so, like, I just wrote down you felt like a deviation from the standard, right? And I'm like, man, we all should feel that way. Like, we should all deviate from what other people's expectations, yeah. stereotype, all that stuff, so that we can lean into what we are created to be and and one of the things is that 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 we need and and I talk about it in my book master the key story to free your potential find meaning and live life on purpose is that before we can find our why we need to remember and believe that we're worthy of one come on yes yes and and so when did you you're 5 years old you you realized that you were left mm-hmm. I would love to learn what the bridge was between that moment, what was going on where where you kind of recognized that or or were cognizant of it, and then the bridge to to your sense of worth, inherent yeah. worth. Yeah, well, it was a long time. It was nowhere near that age or time. <laughs> so fast forward about 15, 16 years. I was in my early 20s and I... Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm not sure if you're into the Enneagram, but I'm, I'm, or, or, you know, you've got the lion, otter, beaver, whatever. And I'm always the, I'm always a lion, always influence, achiever, all of these things. So I know who I am and I know how I'm built in that sense, personality and skills and gifts. I love to attack. I love problem solving. I love to get things done. I love to be the boss. I love to mm-hmm. help create something that wasn't before. Mm-hmm. But, where that can become an overuse of a strength and be a weakness, a crippling weakness, is when you are allowing the stuff you're doing to define who you're becoming versus who you are defining your work and how you work and what your goals are and what your objectives are and what your values are. So for me, I would say that although I felt quote unquote successful, I really struggled to have a rooted identity in believing that I was worthy. Hmm. Again, because I grew up in a bit of a environment where I didn't feel free to share what I was feeling. And uh, so I just, again, bottled it and didn't know what to do with it. I literally didn't even have the words to describe it like I do now. And didn't know didn't know what was possible. I didn't know what I could do with who I was, but I knew I could get stuff done. And so in my early 20s, right after college, I had no... Excuse me, right after high school, I had no money for college. I moved abroad. I moved to London. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just go to the farthest place I can find that still speaks English <laughs> and and serve. So I joined an outreach program where we would reach children in um, at-risk schools and mentorship and different things like that. And I loved it. I had a great time. But for me, it also was the first time I was exposed to a variety of cultures. 
and people who believed a myriad of different things. And so I had, um, for me, I was raised um, with a faith, but uh, it really became real in in my 20s when I was able to see if I believe that I'm loved, if I truly believe that I'm loved, then I then everything's going to be okay. Because think about it. Think about, you know, and even you listeners, think about somebody who makes you feel so loved. Maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's a spouse. You're like, oh, just, I feel so seen and heard and known. I feel my fullest self with them. Mm-hmm. And I felt if, if I can believe that I'm truly loved by the God of the universe, in my case, they do have a faith, then this is going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And so I think it really took believing I am not leftovers. This isn't going to be the breaking of me, but could potentially be the making of me. If I can see this as a source of compassion for other people, yeah. and if I can see my plight as a source of goodness and not destruction and failure, then I think I'm onto something. Man. And uh, the, uh, it was, I believe, the, the New Yorker published an article on adversity and it said, frame adversity as that which will destroy you, and it will. Frame adversity as a challenge to overcome, and you will. Mm. And so, so much of it is how we see uh, when we choose to, and I'm a natural optimist, so I do, I, I did feel like I had a leg up in this. I'm just, I just so believe that things could be good. Like, mm-hmm. in, 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 I know that I know that I know that I know. Mm-hmm. I so believe things can be good. Mm-hmm. Not in a good so I can drive a sports car and everything can be great and I can have Benjamins in my bank account good, but in a goodness that will satiate the desires that we all have and mm-hmm. and lead me to become the woman I know that I can be, the mother I can be, the wife I can be, um, the leader I can be, the teacher I can be, the writer I can be, the author I can be. As many of you know, on April 29th, I launched my first book, Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning, and live life on purpose. It is a fictional story that will lead readers to the truth And one of the most important things that we can do in the Amazon dance, so to speak, is to keep up with sales and keep up with with reviews. And we are just over a month into the book launch, and we already have 50 reviews from people around the world sharing how this story has impacted them. But one of the things my publisher did was actually send a copy of the book of Master the Key to the world's foremost critical book reviewer called Kirkus Reviews. And actually, I didn't actually know that they had done that. And they sent us back a review where they called the book an inspiring and instructive self-help book. And one of the things that they said is that its stories and ideas are so memorable and neatly packaged that the advice will stick with readers long after they finish it. It's also a quick read thanks to its smooth flowing dialogue and fast moving plot, but readers should take time to fully digest. The principles the author espouses can be applied in many different situations regardless of one's circumstances. The book also ably promotes a healthy work-family balance by focusing on Steve's later success, an inspiring and instructive self-help work. So be sure to hit pause, head over to Amazon. If you haven't picked up a copy or two for yourself and for a friend, a loved one, go do that right now. And then be sure to come back and leave a review, an honest review. It doesn't have to be five stars, just your honest thoughts about the book and its impact on you and the style, etc. So really grateful for all of your help. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. 
have you been reading my book? I don't know. Did someone sneak you a copy? Because like <laughs> you are just the reason why it's resonating so deeply with me and and I'm I'm highlighting that is because the reality is is that when we begin to master our narrative, yes, the first step to discovering really what our gifts are. And and then when we discover what our gifts are, then we are able to take action in a way that we've never taken before and and with people that are totally for us yeah. and by us right and and that's what you taking off the armor that someone was projecting on you and and some of which you were projecting on yourself in terms yeah. of trying to fit into this this box yeah. taking that on and and stepping into who you are created to be and acknowledging that you are willed into existence and that you're not leftovers, that you are, in fact, the first course, you know, uh, you are the best that version that of, of Tiffany Bloom that ever was or will be. That's an incredibly powerful position to be in. And that's the moment where you are able to, to really begin to have the impact in the lives of others that you yeah. were created to be. And, and part of that is dreaming. Right. Yeah. Part of that is dreaming about the impact and the ripple effect in all of the lives that you might change. But there is a great cost when you go from dreaming to doing. Yeah. And so I think that many people love the idea of dreaming, right? Yes. Dreams are free, as one of my mentors says. So set your dreams free, right? But doing is not free. Doing involves risk it involves stepping out it involves you know financial commitment it involves sacrifice in terms of time with other people when you stepped out when you stepped out and stopped and decided to put your dreams into action what were some of the limiting beliefs and the real limitations that you had to face and overcome yeah, great question. And I, I love how you framed that of just the sacrifice that it really takes. So quick backstory. I was working full-time, was the breadwinner of our home. My husband was a teacher at the time, which does not yield a high reward financially. And I knew I wanted to write and travel and speak. And I had just had a baby. And I thought, if this is my life, I need to be able to love it. I need to be able to love this. I don't want to look back and be like, I did this because it felt like the right thing to do. Uh, the right thing can look really hard. And we would love for the right thing to feel so safe, but it doesn't mean it's right just because it's safe. So I resigned from my role. My husband also resigned from his so he could find something that would make more money. So he be he began um, a new job and I started writing and with no hopes of walking into something other great. And I was at the top of my game, I was working for an organization that served about 6,000 people a week. And I uh, was on the top executive team of that. So resigning from that without going to something looks kind of weird on paper. But I had to believe that if these dreams were worth it, then it would be costly. And of course, I didn't think it would be as costly as it was. And I'm glad I didn't know because I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. So I resigned and was working at home. And we had saved up about 9 months income to hopefully bridge the gap until he could get um, his real estate business off the ground. And of course, it wasn't enough. And what we thought was going to be the sweetest season, a honeymoon became one of the hardest ones where 
we really realized what mattered and but didn't give up. We didn't give up on the dream of the opportunity to write and travel and speak in some of these things. It can sound so indulgent, right? Because dreams, we can just label them as indulgent and for those who can quote unquote afford to dream. But the truth is we're all built a dream. And the greatest movements that have ever happened in human history is because somebody started with a dream, whether it be you can look at back the civil rights movement in America or women's rights in India, anywhere you look, it started with a dream. But like you said, doing so much harder. So in the doing, I discovered that uh, it can feel impossible, but there's most likely there's most likely a way to move forward that you haven't thought of before. Mm. It really gives room to be creative in ways that you would never have dreamed. I didn't think we would have had to be as creative as we had to pay the bills or to uh, find a way to get to where we wanted to go on time or in in the right space. But a way was made and mm-hmm. we were committed to seeing the dream come to pass. Because there's always in the emotional, there's always a narrative that you'll hear of like, this is too much, can't do this. And there's always probably a friend who's willing to feed that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a, another narrative that says, you've got this in you. You are created for greatness. There's so much more. There's so Mm -hmm. much more in you. You know, you've got gas in the tank and you just have to hold on. Don't give up just because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And for so many of us, we do want to quit right at that moment when things start to get hard in the doing part because we don't want to be disappointed. We live our whole lives avoiding disappointment. And, And for really, for most of us, it keeps us from dreaming in the first place. Because if we picture a dream so specifically, we can likely picture the disappointment so specifically. And although we did encounter some disappointment of you know real estate deals falling through or writing not getting picked up by different outlets, we persisted. And about two years, two years, no, one year um, after I left my job, almost to the day, I saved up all my pennies and went to a writer's conference where I could pitch to agents and publishers in person. And I had queried over 20 times and didn't get any bites. And uh, my writing coach, she said, if somebody could just meet you, Somebody could just meet you. I think it'd be thinking of better odds. Hmm. And I was like, all right, set up the pennies. And for me as a mama, also, I know there's women listening. I was nursing. And so it was the first time leaving my young one. Um, so that was a whole you know, thing all on its own. And I got there and I was able to sit again in front of an acquisitions editor and share my idea. And the first thing she said to me, Mike, was, how are you not a published author? And I was like, well, I've been trying. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And the second thing she said was, I think your time has come. I think Mm -hmm. you've really... It's so evident how hard you've worked for this. And I Mm -hmm. think your time's come. Mm -hmm. And and I was offered not one, but two deals and have now written four titles with my publisher. And so it's been sweet to see the doors that open. And so often we want to see, oh, if once we start doing, we're going to get those immediate rewards. And that's not the way the world works. One thing leads to another, leads to another leads to another. And in the process, we become a person of patience, mm-hmm, a person mm-hmm. of courage and sacrifice and grit. Mm-hmm. Grit is so underestimated. Oh, we yeah. feel like we need to have all the natural talent in the world. No, I think grit is far more valuable. I think grit ultimately is the ability to, to deal with time, right? Yes. Oh, that's so good. And, and the reality, I was at the gym the other day and I was walking around the corner and they have this. The, the weight room is on the on the first floor, and there's windows, of course, looking out while everybody's getting swole, right? You know, <laughs> and but in this case, I was walking around the corner, and no one was in the weight room, and I had this kind of revelation. This is kind of how God works in my mind. Sometimes I'm like, "Holy smokes, no one's in the weight room, and no one is in the W A I T room either." Mm. 
Nobody, yeah. nobody is putting in the work and waiting for their time at that, oh, you know, yeah. everybody's just wants the mirror muscles. Yeah, right? totally. And we're living in that world right now where everybody wants the, the mirrored look, the, the, the highlight reel, the Instagram yeah. curated story, right? That yeah. Tiffany, you know, pitched her, her titles to these publishers and she got her deals and boom, instant yeah. thing, right? Not the 10 years of writing before that to get yeah, there. <laughs> or, or whatever, or, or coming to terms, and even before that, coming to terms with your own personal story, yeah. right? And, and bringing the power of reflection there. So, so one of the, so in my book, it's also a, a, a journal and a workbook in addition to a story. And, and the journal workbook section is broken into two parts reflection and a response section. The word reflect means to bend back time or direct light or heat onto something. Oh, wow. And, wow. and so when, you, when we get to do that, when we get to bend back time or direct light or heat onto something, but we, what we get to do is we get to insert hope there. Mm. Right? Isn't yeah. that cool? I mean, we could take yeah. anything, anything, Including not knowing your physical beginning, yeah, and still bring hope there. Yeah, you know, isn't it crazy how yeah, hope, grace, peace can be applied retroactively? Right. Actually, you said something. Yes, applying peace to the past. That was in one of your mm-hmm. your uh, your your speeches that I watched, and I was like, I got I got chills because um, it, it's so powerful. But then when you do that. It gives you the ability to respond, right? Instead of react. Yeah, absolutely. So, so much of because our lives. Are, yeah, so much of our lives are just constant reactions versus having the narrative that we can begin with. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. When you think about your gifts, your giftedness, if you lost the ability to write, do you think you would lose the ability to communicate? No, not at all. So what so I love that you answered that way because I totally that's a core principle in my book that our giftedness is is merely a what we understand as our giftedness is really just an expression of our actual gift. So your gift is communication. So if you lost the ability to write, what are some other ways that you might discover how to use your gift of communication in a different way? Well, Mike, I think a podcast would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think being able to even just sit with a group of people and encourage them and be able to shed light and reflect. I love that description. That I've never heard that before. That was incredibly powerful. I'm going to chew on that. Um, and be able to reflect, to bend back time, as you said, and see beauty and hope in their lives. I think there's no greater gift. I think that we can, if we're going to spend our lives on something, spending it on other people is a great way to do that. 
100%. no matter what our gift yes. giftedness is. Yes, yes. The main character in my book is a violin, or one of the characters in my book is a violin player who loses her ability to play the violin. Both, she, well, she loses her ability to play the violin because her heart's broken, and she acts. She actually breaks her violin, and it's her only violin, and so therefore she has. She thinks that she no longer has the ability to play, but she discovers that her true gift is something else entirely. And playing the violin was just an expression of that. Oh, I um, love that. And, um, and so I know that you have a, a tight schedule today. So I want to begin wrapping things up and making sure that we can connect people with you and your powerful work. Um, I believe you and I believe that each and every single one of us is willed into an existence even our, even those who don't share our same faith, that we are all created and we're created to facilitate something very powerful in, in our own lives and in the lives of others. And so I want to make sure that people can connect with you so they can experience what you are facilitating. Yeah. Well, you can find me at tiffanybloom.com, B-L-U-H-M. I hang a lot on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out and communicate. Um, and I have a podcast as well called Why Though? We answer the big questions, little questions, everything in between. And of course, I wrote a book called She Dreams, a book and a study to go along with it uh, to really explore from beginning to end what it looks like to dream. And she's got a really cool poem that she wrote after eating delicious pizza from Pizza Hut. Uh, a whole pizza, Mike. Let's not get ourselves. Pizza, yeah. I ate a whole pizza. <laughs> um, the, the first of the three questions that I ask every single guest... Oh, yeah. Is if if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess, okay? So a skill you currently have, and turn it into a superpower. What would it be? Something I already possess, and it would be turned into a superpower. Yes. Are we talking Marvel level superpower, or you can go any place you want with this question? Man, I just impact right. So I would say communicating for impact on a superpower scale. Being able to encourage women, minorities, everyone to find their place at the table because they do have inherent worth. Mm. Have you um, have you heard of a of a, a music artist named Ike Ndolo? No, I'll write that down. Yes, N D O L O. Ike Ndolo. Uh, he's uh, of Nigerian descent. He lives in Tempe, Arizona. He is a great musician. Um, you've have you heard of Matt Marr? No, Matt Marr is a. a Another worship artist and and uh, Ike just came out with an album called Shine, and it is legit. And he has a song called Your Table. Oh, um, I'll have to find that. And uh, he, uh, his mom, he, you know, his parents are from Nigeria, and his whole fa- they they lived in Missouri. And one of the lines uh, is uh, one of the lines from the. Um, the uh, the song your table I think it's your table is only black family at a white church dad went to mass in some dope shirts you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh I like it I, I love it like you'll it. love it's it's super yeah, I'm gonna awesome. I'm gonna check that out okay right, what are next. what are three lies three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're capable of becoming oh such a good question three lies number one that we are defined by our appearance. Number two, that we're defined by other, how other people see us. And that is the complete limitation. We, we, and, if the, and if we love them, 
will stay within those confines because we want them to continue to love us. Mm, mm. Um, three, the last lie is, is that things are finite in this world. And we have to believe that the currency of EQ and IQ and in our giftedness and who we are can surpass what we see in the finite world. That it is, we could be like, oh, there's not an opportunity there. Oh, there's so much opportunity. You mm. know? Totally, 100%. Okay, last question. What's your... Actually, before I ask this question, what's your favorite art form? Do you really want to know? Well, yes, this <laughs> leads... Stand-up comedy. Lead Stand up comedy. <laughs> Stand-up comedy? Okay, yes. sweet. Okay. Um, okay, so it's, it's, it's 100 years from now, and you have set up a comedy show. And you're dead, right? You've set Correct. up a comedy show in your honor, and you've given all of the comedians, the set of instructions on how to organize their set, you know, what would the number one punchline be? The number one punchline be? This is so specific. Um, This is too fun. Okay. The number one punchline would be probably resist. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Same. Thanks for having me. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.